0: You're going to have this ability to now reframe allow yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck out and the thoughts and the feelings and the behavior cycle can start changing
1: We're so always talking about working hand in hand with your health care provider while you're working towards any kind of change i think in your health and wellness but specifically weight loss and today We're going to talk about exactly what does that mean with our special guest, Dr. Carrie Best. She's an MD. She's a lifestyle uh, medicine physician, and I couldn't be more excited to have you on this. I think this conversation has been a long time coming. We've, We've touched on it with our other guest, but I want to get right into it with you. But first of all, you're new, not to the program because you were in my very first test group. But you're a new guest with us, so I think it would be uh, great just to have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Hi, yeah, hi. Welcome. Uh,
0: thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, um, I have been a family physician for 20 years. Um, and I practice clinically, mostly in small towns. So, you know, doing office medicine, hospitalist medicine, surgical assisting, a uh, little bit of everything. Uh, and, uh, and then a, a number of years ago, I uh, was feeling that I was missing some tools in my toolbox to be able to help my patients. And so I started doing some extra training in different types of integrated medicine, particularly functional medicine and then lifestyle medicine. And I became board certified in lifestyle medicine, which is essentially just using lifestyle as a tool uh, to support health and wellness, uh, which is something that we just touch on just a little bit in our you know, conventional medical training. And I felt that I wanted to have a more holistic approach to, to health.
1: So I love this because we've talked to doctors and we have, you know, naturopathic doctors and, and, you know, and people in functional medicine. And it's just I love the combination of both. And I think that's a really great perspective. So can we just talk a little bit more about that? Because, you know, not all MDs are like that. So then if you can find someone like yourself, amazing. But if you can't, is this where you would suggest uh, you know, someone work with their MD and then also maybe like uh, uh, an, a naturopathic doctor? And then if so, how do you kind of get your doctor on board with what you're doing with your naturopathic doctor? Cause they, they seem to be so like, so separated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's, there's almost a uh sometimes it seems that there's a conflict, you know, between yeah. the, the complementary and the conventional medicine. And, you know, there, there's a long history to that, I think. And, uh, and part of that is just fear of the unknown. And, and part of it is, um, you know, we, we were taught in today's kind of modern medicine to put a lot of value in evidence, you know, and evidence is data. And so anything that doesn't check off a box or meet some kind of criteria or that isn't studied under some kind of special study, you know, we can't trust that it's safe. And so, you know, for physicians, it's coming from a place of good intention, you know, because that's all we know, and that's all we're comfortable with. And so anything outside of that is scary. And we can't, we're responsible, you know, we feel responsible for the advice that we give and the things that we do. And so, um, so we feel uncomfortable with things we don't know. I think, though, we've lost what we're losing, you know, as technology develops, and everything gets more science based and data focused is we're losing the art of medicine, you know, and, you know, so when you think back over time and you look at the healers, the traditional healers, I did medical anthropology way back when, which is so fascinating. And if you look at all the traditional healers, right, there is a combination between you know evidence and what you know works and and kind of the traditions that we build in that we also know work, even though we don't have any data to support that. But there's this expectation in society to embrace technology and the quick fixes, right? Everybody wants to know what it is now, right? We've got Dr. Google and, you know, and so what is it? How can I fix it? And how can I move forward? And so medicine's moving along with that fast medicine, right? And that works great for acute care, right? Like if you come in with an acute appendicitis, And someone's got to figure that out fast. We got to get you on the table and we got to get it out. Right. And, and that happened in my practice once, I think it was actually a gallbladder rather than an appendix. Someone came in and, you know, we, we had them over in the OR within 10 minutes and that gallbladder was out of there, you know? So that's fantastic. Right. And, and fast modern medicine, when it works, it's amazing. But where we fall apart, where we fall short, I guess a little bit is slow medicine, right? That's where we need to take time to simmer, to marinate, to understand, to build that relationship with our patients because some of the things they're experiencing isn't a quick fix. It's, you know, part of the therapy is the relationship with your therapist, right? And, you know, we're so used to figuring out and knowing as physicians, we feel really uncomfortable when we don't know, when we can't just fix it, when we can't just give a pill or do a surgery. And so we don't know what to do with that discomfort. And there's this stereotype that physicians are supposed to be perfect and all knowing. And, you know, we buy into that, right? And and so I think what happens is when there's something presented to us that we can't solve, or, you know, people go and see someone else because you think it's because we can't help them you know then there's a little bit of a defensiveness and uh a little bit of um discomfort and and so you know a physician may um you know feel that they don't know where to go from here and they don't know how to share that because we're not taught what to do when we don't know what to do you know um so i think that's what's you know creating that disconnect is the unknown, the the lack of training and comfort and the stereotypes of, you know, physicians being perfect, you know, know-it-alls that, um, you know, fix everything, you know, that day.
1: <laughs> well, they, they have a lot of pressure, right? And they obviously want to be the best that they can be. I love what you said about complementary. I think that was, uh, you know, a great way of defining that, you know, if you're working with your MD and you want to see a specialist on anything or, you know, seek sort of, you know Uh, other ways that you can address your health issues, look at it as complimentary. I love that. I, I get it. I like to stay in my lane. Like, this is why I have amazing people like you on because I, I'm really great at what people need to do weight loss wise and what's really involved in that and sort of what to eat and when and what works really well that way. But I, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a hormone specialist. I'm not, you know, I'm not a lot of things, you know, and this is where we like to look, you know, uh, at our experts. And even when I was recently at the Canadian obesity summit, this was a big topic was the lack of training that our doctors have when it comes to nutrition and, you know, what can we do about that, but not just nutrition in sort of like lifestyle medicine, which is okay. Someone comes in my appendix is flaring up. You know, I want to see a doctor. I want to get that surgery. I got to get it taken out. But when it comes to other, like, you know, just addressing your health and wellness and staying healthy and being as healthy as possible, like there's so many conversations around that, so I love that. I love I love complimentary. I love what you said also about relationship with your doctor. How do we create a relationship with our doctor? First of all, we're in 55 different countries right now, so everyone's dealing with their own issues with their healthcare system. Some people can't even get a doctor; they're on wait lists. They're they're going into walk in. To walk-ins. Some people can't afford, you know, their their doctors. So how do you build a relationship with your doctor when you have that? five, 10, 15 minutes max opportunity to go in there. What's your suggestion for that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it's, it's so important and, um, you know, I actually have a little, I'm a bit of a mnemonic person. (laughs) So, um, I was, I was thinking about how to, Approach this, right, and how to build that relationship with your daughter or how to prepare for a visit, right? because it could be a doctor you're meeting for the first time, you know, whether it's mm. a specialist, it could be your primary care physician, it could be a nurse practitioner, you know there's you know different ways that people are receiving care, but I feel like the approach you know should always be the same and and it'll give you a little bit of insight as to what's going on behind the scenes, you know so so i so the, the a you know is appointment so the first thing is Make your appointment in plenty of time. So if we use this program as an example, if you know you're going to be starting this program, you want to get some baseline biometric measurements, you want some baseline blood work, you want to talk to your physician about the program, don't call the day before and say, I must see my doctor tomorrow because the program is starting tomorrow. <laughs> that's not gonna that's not gonna work, you know? So, you know, plan it out, right? Like you have all the time in the world. Give them a call or log on to the portal and Book your appointment, you know, and also a lot enough time. So if you know that you've got like a list of five things or you're going to have a lot of questions, you know, about how to prepare for this, then just say, I need extra time. Right. And then they'll say, okay, great. Yeah. We'll give you extra time. You can totally do do that. that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I trained am. all my patients to like ask for extra time if, or actually I would sometimes know too. So I go and look ahead on my day sheets. And they'd be like, ooh, so-and-so is coming. I'm going to like give them an extra five minutes. <laughs> you know, So, so, you know, I think that's important to set expectations appropriately and to give adequate time. Right. The next thing you want to do is make sure that your purpose for the visit is clear. So when you book your appointment, I'm coming in. I want to talk to the doctor about a new weight loss, you know, regime that I'm going to be starting or, you know, I'm going to need a vaccine for hepatitis B or, you know, because sometimes things need to be ordered or things need to be done in advance. And it saves time once you get there.
1: So be really clear. I do this all the time, because I'll go in there for something. And then I'm like, Oh, by the way, this is also happening. And that's happening. And this happens. She's like, Whoa, whoa like, i we're uh, I, here for this. And I would love to talk to you about that. But then I don't have time. But if I knew ahead that I yeah. knew exactly what I want to talk about, this is where I might ask when making that appointment. Yeah, for that extra time. So that makes sense. Okay. Exactly. Very- and
0: Book, book you in a day maybe that a nurse is in. Like, so if they know you're getting a vaccine, in addition to seeing the doctor, they are be like, ooh, okay, Monday's not going to work, but Tuesday we have our nurse, right? So mm. again, it's yeah. all about preparation. And then, it, and then the stress of going, you know, is dissipated once you know that everybody is prepared, right? So, and then the next thing is be on time. And I know physicians are usually not on time. And so some people are like, I might as well be late because I'm going to sit in that chair for 45 minutes, you yeah. know? But the times that you don't come on time are the times that your doctor's on time. And then it's everyone else that has to wait because they have to fit you in, you know? So, so I always, and and I think if we're running late, we get stressed, right? So, you know, you want to make sure that you're on time, you've given yourself plenty of time so that you're not running in and stressed and like, you know, a big ball of stress when you're about to see your doctor, because your mindset, you know, makes a difference in terms of your presence
1: can I did to talk to some doctors at the obesity conference and they're just like you know a big part unfortunately of what we what we spend our time on is actually managing people and not actually talking about their health and wellness you know and I think that that was a big aha moment for me and he's like a lot of people are upset they're you know they come in they have their views of the health care or their whatever and they spend time talking about that rather than being able to actually get into what the issue is and how they can help them I think it's really important that we that we recognize that doctors are people too. You know, when we go in there, we have these conversations and remember, ultimately they're a doctor because they wanted to help, you know? And I think sometimes we bring our sort of ideas or like a a lot of people are like, well, my doctor doesn't listen to me. We're going to talk about that. My doctor won't order tests for me. You know, we're going to talk about that because I think it's, when you talk about that, that relationship, a big part of that is yes, they're there to help you. Yes. With our system, I know straight up, I'm going to be honest. Like we feel like we pay for it. So they work for us. So they should do what we want them to do. And just like I work for people who sign up for my program too, but you know, there's a there's a nice way to communicate and get what you want and, and feel the support that you need. So I just really want to say that. Um, but yeah. it, it can be frustrating when our do- I'm sorry, did you finish your thought? Because I had this way oh, of yeah. going off. It
0: was game. just the A, but like, I like these, these different steps of preparing for your visit, bring up other things that I think it's important to talk about, right? Like, yeah. you know, and I think that's the important thing to recognize is we all bring biases. With us Mm. to the table, right? So, like, patients are coming in, and either they had a really excellent doctor before who went above and beyond, or you know, who had experience in holistic medicine or whatever, and then and then they're going to a new doctor who maybe doesn't have that experience or has a bigger patient population. So you you're bringing this bias to the table of who you think they should be, you know, rather than accepting them for who they are, right? And similarly, physicians look at their list and go. Oh, okay. Here's another one that's going to come in and ask for tests that their naturopath wants. You know, it says follow up naturopath visit. And, you know, and they have this bias because maybe they had a patient who bullied them or was aggressive towards them or. You know, made a college complaint or, you know, and so now they associate every patient that sees an atropod with somebody who's going to complain against them, you know, and so it sets this tone before you even meet each other really, you know, based on your own kind of biases and it's important to try to just be aware of them. I think once we become aware of them, then they go from being unconscious to conscious, and then we can actually do something about it, right? We can choose to change our thought patterns or our behaviors or our mindset. We can choose to be more open-minded. It's, you know, it's traumatic. A lot of things that we've all been through, whether you're a physician or a patient, and I've been both on both sides of the the window, you know, and, uh, but I do think it's important to recognize that, um, so so that is, you know, setting things up. The the next thing is B, which is be prepared. And, you know, that's the next step of of having an appointment with a physician. So one is expect to wait. Don't go in thinking that you're going to be seen in five minutes and book a really important meeting at work half an hour later.
1: Because chances yeah. are you're going talk a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about why they're always late? I mean, I'm assuming it's because yeah. people like me go in there for one thing and then I end up talking about 10. Like, let's just break yeah. that down. Like. That does piss me off. Although my new doctor is amazing. I go in and she get, takes me right away. Like they, it's a well-oiled machine in there. But they're also very strict where she'll say to me, I can't talk to you about this today because you didn't yeah. have time for this. And so because she yeah. says to me, Gina, you booked in for this, you're going to have to make a different appointment. I could get pissy about that, but then I also can't get pissy if I'm sitting there waiting for my appointment because chances are she's in there talking to someone like me who wants to talk about 10 different things. So Maybe just put that in perspective a little bit, like expect to wait, because why? Why are we fucking waiting?
0: (laughs) So that's the thing. Something's got to give, right? Either you're the physician who has no boundaries, who just looks after every list and is super present with each person that you see, knowing that it means people are going to wait. And in that practice most of those patients are like, I don't mind waiting. They're sitting there with their knitting and their crochet and their books because they know that their doctor is going to give them the same time that they're giving that person right now. Right. So that works. And and you, you end up attracting as a healthcare professional, you end up attracting like-minded people eventually, you know, yeah. and the people that are like, I'm out of here. I have to wait half an hour. I see this person. That's ridiculous. And then they only take two seconds for their appointment because that's all they want. They're going to probably find someone else who's more like you're you're physician, right, who set those boundaries. And it's like one thing per visit, and otherwise, you got to rebook. And so I think you just have to kind of, it's in people's nature in terms of how they practice. And I think some people say, like, in my business, I would never make people wait this long. Well, healthcare is not really a business to physicians, it's more of a calling, you know, and so they don't see seeing patients in the same capacity as seeing a client, you know, we're there to support them, whatever it takes. Right. And, you know, so, and and even if you are someone who's very like, you know, on the ball and trying to stay on time, there's still stuff that happens. Like, you know, someone will come in for like a refill and bring their kid and say, I'm sorry, they have a fever today and a sore ear. And thought I'd bring them in. Like, what are you going to say? Like, no. (laughs) So, so you fit them in, right? Or you get a call from the hospital. So I did hospitals work and whatever too. So sometimes I'd have to run across the hospital, you know, go see somebody with some kind of urgent thing. So, you know, if you have a doctor that wears more than one hat, they're more likely to be behind, right? If they do OB or hospital care or whatever, but that's, you know, there's a lot of stuff or the pharmacy calls you urgent urgently or a specialist calls you urgently. You know, there's so many things happening behind the scenes. um, And, and that's why you wait, but find a position that aligns with, you know, how
1: you value your time, you know? Yeah, and I think this is a it it factors into this conversation because I think we bring so much stress for so many reasons into our visits with our doctors. And you know, and we really want it to be a pleasant experience. You know, we really want to get the most out of that and we really want to make a connection and relationship with someone who's going to help us manage our health and wellness. So I love that. Okay, what's next?
0: Yeah. Um so part of being prepared is coming with a list of um concerns that you have or things you want mm-hmm. to talk about in a priority sequence. So you might have 10 things that you want to bring up to your position, but, you know, we're not sure how much time you have. If you ask for extra time, you might get through it all. Um, If you've only got 10 minutes, then you may have to prioritize what you want to talk about first. And so you'll have your little list. Okay, these three things I really need to talk about. And if I can get to these things, great. Otherwise, I'll rebook another appointment. And I think that's (laughs) really important as well as updates, you know, be prepared to share any updates with your family history, with your health, you know, with your social life, you know, anything that you want to let them know because it's important for them to treat you as a whole person. And then also bring any paperwork. So if you went to a hospital and they did some treatment, um, you know, if you've got forms you want the doctor to fill in, pre-populate your section of the form. Um, you know, that always wasted so much time where I'm like writing the patient's name and the date of birth. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, if you just do that ahead of time, it saves time. And then we can maybe get to another thing on your list. Um, bring data, right? So if we're talking about, you know, starting a new, you know, weight loss program, you know bring like what your weights have been. If you check your own blood pressure, bring your blood pressure data. Your If you have diabetes, bring your glucose testing, your food logs, you know, bring it with you or send it ahead of time. If you have a portal that you can send it in.
1: Okay. I, I got to stop because I, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt your, your flow of yeah. what yeah. We we're discussing, but let's talk about that for a second because yeah. so many people go to their doctors and first of all, oh my God, where are we going to go? Bias when it comes to being overweight and seeing your doctor, your doctor has seen you losing gain and losing gain. And how do you tell them that this is different? How do you get your doctor to respect the fact that you are making all of these healthy choices without without showing them this huge book and be like, I'm doing all of this because your doctor probably doesn't have time to read it. Well, more and more of them actually are, which is amazing. But how do you like, I love what you just said that maybe if you have high blood pressure and you're making changes and you're taking your blood pressure at home, bring that in with your doctor. Don't just say, oh, my, my blood pressure is better. You know, if you, if you have diabetes, take those numbers into, into, into the appointment with you, because this is like, it's not like we're trying to convince them of what we're doing. We're trying to show. And I think doctors are really jaded when it comes to people's weight loss efforts, because, quick fix and they see them losing gain and losing gain. And they know that they're starving and depriving in order to lose weight. So it's hard to kind of be, you know, be a champion and support someone's weight loss journey when, although it's healthy to lose weight, they know underlying that probably not doing it in a healthy way. So, so I love what you just said there about they bring your data with you and you have this in your app too, right? Like you can, if you're using the living method app, you can show your sleep scale. Mm-hmm. And your movement and your weight and how consistent you are bit you've been with your meals and snacks. You you can show them that that data as well. And I think you can export all that data as well. So yeah, I, I like, never thought to do that. I think it's so important. Yeah, data is a language that your physician understands, right?
0: Like that's where we feel very comfortable. And so mm-hmm. even though you may be talking about something that seems uncomfortable because it's a new program or you know, whatever, we feel comfortable yeah. with the data. So, you know, to see like, hey, look, I've been doing this for a month and my blood pressures come down or my sugars are stabilizing or, you know, look at my, you know, weight levels or, you know, or my mood scale, like we do mood scales all the time. And so, you know, sometimes I, you know, I'm following people for depression or anxiety, you know, I'll do these kind of PHQ nine, you know, kind of, you know, generalized anxiety disorder scales. And you can see changes like objective changes, you know, and I think that goes a long way, you know, to see kind of objective results, like subjective is important too, but the objective results are, you know, really, you know, take home. And I think a physician will really pay attention to that. And I had some patients who would send it ahead of time in the portal. So they'd be like, you know, Hey, I'm sending this in time for my next appointment. And then it's already in the chart. And, you know, we're, we're reviewing it together and and following it together. Um, So, and, you know, so I think with your program, it'd be really great, you know, I think I mentioned this before, where um, there's just like a little summary sheet of like, you know, this is what it is, or, you know, this is that, you know, just so they can like, you know, because they're not going to, you're right, like, not that many of them are going to read the book, but it's like, this is what it is, you know, put the little link to the study, the Ottawa study, and you know, that kind of thing.
1: Uh, I just, I just saw people in the comments. I don't know if you're reading the comments. So, like, can you do oh, a one pager for us to... and they, I mean, so many people are saying amazing things about how their doctor actually suggested the living method, how they're seeing these major improvements, uh, in their health and wellness, which is great, but there's people actually asking for like a one pager here. So yeah, uh, that's yeah. a great idea. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll work on that. Maybe I'll work on it with you and be like, what, what yeah, do doctors that- want to know? Exactly. What do they
0: want to know? Like you know, twenty seconds. Like you know, what what's gonna you know tell me about the program?
1: Well, you you were in the very first group. You were in my very first test group. Like you were like I don't know how many years ago that was. was Twenty years ago, ago. you were in the very first one. So, how would you describe? How would you describe it? You know, it was so innovative. Like I was so interested
0: in. You know, I'd already been doing some. You know, a bit of research in lifestyle medicine and learning that group learning and peer support was really you know we were starting to get a lot of evidence for how effective that was and mm-hmm. so i was intrigued like it was kind of the first time i'd seen something like that you know and uh i thought it was great you know it's funny though cuz i think back then i was like the person that likes my food to look pretty and so i would like post like these little pictures of like my greek yogurt with pomegranate arils and sprinklings of this and that you'd be like it doesn't matter what it looks like, you know. Just, just, just food <laughs> in your body. It doesn't
1: have to be pretty, I, you know. Everybody's talking about recipes, and I don't care about that. Just... <laughs> it's so true. I was like, why? Do you... <laughs> so, first of all, I was such a bitch back then. I was like, you think I tell it like it is now? Oh my god, you should have seen me in my very first group. Um, I, I would sit on lives for hours and just break it down people i was like why you guys want recipes who the fuck cares yeah. about fucking recipes just eat what you need to eat and now now we have a whole recipe section i kind yes. of realize that people love recipes and cooking just because i don't doesn't mean yes. other people do yeah it's gone a long way
0: in that way but the the, the, the essentials are the same right and the philosophy is the same and yes. you know i love that it was not a deprivation focus, but, yeah. in, you know, an abundance and focusing on, you know, and even more now you're focusing on nutrient density and, you know, and so I really think it's evolved, you know, in a very healthy way and, you know, bringing yeah. that evidence, you know, into it is important too, if we're going to, you know, have that buy-in, you know, from the, you know, health yeah. professional community. So yeah, yes. it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, So, uh, so yeah, so back to my little mnemonic. Um, The only thing I want to say to be ready is make sure to bring your medication list, your supplement list, any herbals you're on. Super important for your doctor to know what you're taking. And some people don't say that. Like, I don't know how many times someone would say, I'd be like, what are you taking? Oh, metformin blah, 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 like anything else. Oh, well, just like my herbs and vitamins. And it's like, yeah, I need to know (laughs) like what like, that's technically medicine, right? So, yeah. it's important yeah. to, to bring in those lists and then to just be prepared. So, dress appropriately. If you want to show me a mole on your back, you know, don't wear something that has, you know, bazillion buttons. It's going to take forever. So, like, you know, so those Good types point. of things are really helpful. Um, yes. And then the C part is, communication and collaboration. And so I think the important thing here is, you know, well, first of all, when you get put into a room, you know, one thing that I always did was I had like little like uh, exercise bands and yoga poses and a yoga mat in my room so that people while people were waiting for me in my room, they could actually do stuff and not get stressed out while they're waiting for me. Um, But when I you know, when I think when your physician comes into the room, I think it's good to start with doing a check in with them. Like, hey, like not like, you're running 20 minutes behind, like, I'm going to be late for work, you know, but just like, hey, how are you? It seems like a really busy day. Have you had a drink of water? Like, have you gone to the bathroom? (laughs) You know, like, I'm okay, if you need to take a beat. And like, you know, just do something for you, right? Like, and I think that's it, like, that would blow them away. If you, like, started the <laughs> appointment caring about how their day is going, I think is huge. And I really think it sets the tone for that, yeah, that relationship. Yes,
1: because it's yeah, not one way, right? It's bi directional
0: yeah. therapeutic relationship.
1: And you want someone to care, but so here's, I see all these people on the comments right now and they're all pissy pants about the fact that they can't get a doctor and rightfully so. Because it's hard to find one, but I do want to say I have used my share of walk-in doctors for years for my whole family. In fact, going to see a walk-in doctor was how I ended up like eventually getting on a wait list for a real doctor, and now I have an amazing doctor. So I get it. I, but all of these tips that you are sharing, they can also be used for a walk-in clinic as well, where yeah, you go and say absolutely. hi, you connect with that relationship with that person, yeah. you come prepared, you come with your list. Do you know what I mean? Like this isn't specific to just, it's a relation, it's a relationship you're building or having someone care about you, even if it's the first time they've met you again, someone who went to medical school to help you. Right. So Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that as well. And then I also want to say again, to reiterate, this is why we have amazing people like you come on because it's not just, this is the conversation we're having now, but we're going to have you back and we're going to have other helpful conversations. It's like people don't have an hour to talk to a doctor and ask them all these questions. Right. And I just want them to understand that's the takeaway right now is to give you some, some, some tips and some tools to improve your situation with your doctor. Even if you don't have a doctor with your, you know whoever you are speaking to you know with like with this let's say people can't get their hands on a doctor they can't go into walk in they're they're talking to someone on the phone i mean same same rules apply right like being being cordial to someone you know yeah. being prepared for the conversation like knowing what you need planning ahead all of those things right they they i would imagine it's same same kind of exactly you know whether
0: you're talking to someone on the phone meeting them for the first time or whether you know them for 10 years it's the exact same thing, right? Book your appointment in advance, a lot enough time for your appointment, be prepared going in, communicate what your needs are, right? And, and if you're prepared, if you have your prioritized list, and, and one thing to say, too, is after you kind of check in and say, how are you, then say, how much time do we have, right? And then the physician can say, oh, uh, it looks like they booked us 20 minutes, or it looked like we only have five minutes today. It's like, okay, then let's maximize that time. Right. And you you keep an eye on the time, too. And you'll blow a physician away if you do that, because everybody just wants as much time as they can. And they'll just keep pushing to get more time. Right. But, you know, if you keep track and say, okay, you know, I'm going to I'm going to keep an eye on my clock. And I have five things I want to talk about. Let's start in order of what's most important. I'm going to list them because what's important to me may not be equivalently important to your your doctor. So, like, let's say I have a list of three things. I want to talk about um, getting my hepatitis B vaccine because I'm traveling. I want to talk about weight loss because I'm starting a new program. And I've been having a little bit of chest pain. So chest pain might be third on my list because I think it's heartburn. Right. My doctor might be saying, "Um, "Okay, you're in your 50s. Um, You know, you're having tested. We need to go there first. Right. We have five minutes. And and I think it's important to to acknowledge that. So it doesn't mean they're not hearing you. And sometimes they're not very good at telling you that. And so it sounds like they're ignoring, oh, well, my doctor doesn't care about weight loss because they didn't. But you have to look at the context of the visit. And they're going to because they're fast medicine, you know, practitioners, they're going to look at what's going to kill you.
1: So, this is where I also want to talk about then. Let's talk about investing in going to see a naturopathic doctor or someone who is a lifestyle medicine physician like yourself. Like, you know, they're trying to get it all from their doctor. And listen, I know that when you have to pay out of pocket, that gets expensive. But we're also talking about, you know, investing in your health and wellness as well. So, where does that, like, how do you separate those two things? Like, how would you? How would you separate those two things? Like, what about tests? Oh, I got so many questions because I definitely want to get into what kind of tests yes. you want to yeah. ask your doctor for. But how do you? When would you know to kind of separate those things and be like, okay, my doctor can do these things, and then like, is there a list that's doctor? You know, lifestyle medicine, functional practitioner, whatever, naturopathic doctor. Like, you know, right. there's no. I just no, maybe be. you need to do a list. <laughs> you need to do a one pager for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: it can be a little complicated because each physician has their own kind of experience, right, with what they yeah, feel comfortable do with. So you I do it all. It's, it's true. Um, you know, basically, you know, most physicians will follow like set guidelines, right? So it is kind of written somewhere in terms of like what they generally manage, right? So, um you know, so we've got like the choosing wisely guidelines, which tell us what tests we can order, what tests we can't order. There's OHIP, well, in Ontario, I can't speak for other places, but we have a schedule of yeah. benefits, a payment, public payment system, which clearly states what the government covers and what it doesn't cover, right? So okay. there are, and then the yeah. guidelines that we follow in terms of what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. And then physicians have to stay in their lane in terms of their scope. So, like, so when it comes to testing, like, I'll just try to think of an example. If, you know, a patient were to come in and say, I need to have my hormones tested, which is a very common request.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other, that's way down. That's on my list to to discuss the, I just want to interrupt for a second. Unfortunately, my community is lacking a walk-in clinic. Also our ER is overloaded. And so I think this is where that sucks. There's just, I'm not even gonna try to sugarcoat that because ERs are for when you actually have an issue and you need a doctor to help you now. And this is where that investment of you know, working with, you know, a a naturopathic doctor or someone who does, you know, functional lifestyle, lifestyle medicine, whatever it might be. And a little may go a long way. I mean, this is what I love about the program is this is your opportunity to be as healthy as possible, to minimize any trips to the ER and health and wellness. But this is sort of options, right? This is kind of like why we're trying to break this conversation down.
0: Exactly. Right. So, you know, and and this is, again, the difference between fast medicine and slow medicine, right? So like, if you have abdominal pain or chest pain, the emergency department is where you want to go. You break a bone Mm -hmm. if you, you know, but if you're going to emerge and expecting someone to talk to you about high cholesterol, that's just not going to happen, you know? So yeah, yeah, so a walk-in can then, you know, kind of Fit that in. But again, they're kind of like a one issue per visit, you know, kind of thing because they've got like, you know, 60 people in the queue, right? Now you can keep going back, you can try to form a relationship with a particular person at a walk-in, like something you can say, well, you know, are you here on certain days? And is it okay if I try to connect with you when I need stuff? And and there is an expectation for walk-in physicians to provide some longitudinal preventive care to patients who are what we call orphans, who don't have a primary care provider. So, you know, you can ask for, because we, I I saw people like hadn't had a pap test in 10 years because they didn't have a family physician. It's like, ah you could have done it, gone to the walk-in for that. Right. Or, you know, some women's health clinic somewhere, or, you know, I, naturopaths are doing it now, you know, so like, you know, there are, we have to be creative with how we're receiving our healthcare right
1: now, because our resources are so scarce, especially in some areas. I want to read this comment. I don't know why this conversation is giving me anxiety. I do. I, I do. Um, It seems uh, it's all about doctors. I guess I should look inwards. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this conversation today was about talking to a doctor and how to, you know, work hand in hand with your healthcare provider, which is so important for so many people, because although this program is great for helping you lose weight in a healthy way, you know, some people do have health issues that need to be addressed along the way. So it's a great compliment, except what I've learned in the past from conversation is how complicated people's relationship is with their doctor whether they can't get a doctor or their doctor is not listening to them or their doctor is not taking them seriously or their doctor is not ordering the tests that they think that they need or they're just being blown off like that's why you know this conversation is here and for sure like Also, it's very scary for a lot of people who've dealt with their weight loss, sorry, their weight issue for their lives to go to their doctor, who every single time you see them says, go lose weight, go be healthy, but they don't give you any kind of direction. They're just, you need to lose weight. And so you walk away, you try all these things to lose weight and then maybe you do lose weight, but then you gain it all back plus more like every single time. And so this is what is so amazing about this program is you can take this to your doctor and it's healthy. You know what I mean? And it's sustainable and you can feel good about it. And when you do lose your weight, which we hear from so many people who do get to go to their doctor and their doctor's like, oh my God, amazing. I mean, this is why doctors don't have to promote the living method. In fact, it's it's a, it's a touchy subject for doctors to talk about weight loss because people feel like their doctor should help them with weight loss rather than sending you to this program or that program or spend this money or or do that. And you know, doctors are recommending our program because it's great for weight loss. So, so for so many reasons, this conversation can give you anxiety, you know, like and, and it can run deep and go back years. And this is why we're not just reconnecting with ourselves and food, but everything in your like your your sphere of of health and wellness, which includes the people that you're working with and the people you're relying on to take care of your health and wellness too. So I just I just want to talk about that for a second. So I think yeah. it's important.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's unfortunate. Um, You know, I think we all have, again, a certain lived experience with, you know, healthcare providers or with our, our illnesses or things like that. And not everybody has a trusting relationship with their doctor. Right. And and that is kind of scary and anxiety provoking because if that's what you want, then that's what it should be. Um, but due to the brokenness of the system or, you know, just the circumstances where you're living, you know, it's it's not available to you. And that's why sometimes, you know, we need to go, you know, outside the system to find, you know, certain providers that, you know, align, you know, with our values and our beliefs and what we need. And, yes. you know, I and and I and I think you know, it's just a product of you know expectation, you know versus reality, you know, and um, you know in the healthcare system today, it's it's all about you know kind of just survival and plugging holes and you know trying to see as many people as possible because there's just not enough you know, physicians to go around. And so it's yeah. so wonderful that we have other options. You know, we've got physician assistants, we've got nurse practitioners, we've got naturopaths, we've got, you know, counselors and psychologists. Okay. And so they're yes. fulfilling yes. those needs, you know, in terms of, you know, providing because a physician just can't do it all. It's just not It's just not possible. And maybe years ago, you know, when they didn't have the same patient population and there weren't the same expectations and regulations, they could, you know, I'm of the day where I used to do house calls and, you know, eat dinner with my patients and, you know, but things have changed a lot since then. And so it is anxiety provoking, you know, to like think that's what I want, but it's not what I have, you know, and that's frustrating.
1: It is. I want to talk about ozempic for a second because everyone's talking about ozempic. You know, do you think being on ozempic and this plan would make weight loss easier? So I'm going to ask your opinion in a second because this is where we think of doctors prescribing ozempic and all the, you know, all the new weight loss drugs. So there's a lot more than just ozempic. So I'm going to give my, my bit of opinion because I just think this is where we, we perceive doctors of just giving pills. And I like what you just said about all of it, right? Like it, weight loss is so much more than taking a pill. And what I really learned at the Canadian Obesity Summit is that there's a reason why some people need to lose weight quite quickly, because they're literally their lives are at stake, right? And those core morbid, morbid, morbidity factors, right? Like they people need to lose weight quickly because they, their lives are literally at stake. And so that's one of the reasons they've come up with sort of uh, weight loss, you know, drugs and whatnot. So what Ozempic in in short does is it slows the digestion of your foods or the emptying of your stomach, which is making you feel sad satisfied longer on less food. And so we've had people um, who have diabetes take Ozempic for years and do the program. Um, I think it's, it's you want to be mindful of minimizing your appetite because you want to get in tune with your body's needs, but there definitely is a, a time and a place uh, for Ozempic and medications or medical in- intervention, whatever you want to call that for some people. Here's what I can say in short is that Ozempic is not a quick fix because what they do know 100% is the minute you stop taking it, you will gain that weight back. So if you're going to take Ozempic, this program that helps you get in tune with your body where you're also managing your stress and your sleep and trying to be as healthy as possible and do all the things you can to to be healthy and be in tune and you know eat nutrient rich foods is exactly the kind of program you would need to do while taking ozempic at the same time so would it make it faster not necessarily we have so many stories of people who've taken ozempic and didn't do anything for them because they didn't also make any lifestyle changes around it Right. So, so whether it's right for you or not, that's definitely a conversation with your doctor, but I just w- thought it was a perfect place to have it because weight loss is so much more than what you are eating and when, and this is what we cover in the program. And this is where not just your MD, but your, you know, your psychologist or, you know, going to see, you know, a naturopath or lifestyle medicine, you know, whatever that is, that's where you've got to really round out your healthcare team really. Are the best you possibly can, even if you're limited to access, which is why I love the conversations here because it helps inform people on what you can do or, you know, different variations of that. No, anyway, thoughts? Yeah, know that was exactly. a lot. You know,
0: no, I think that was great. You know, like the new obesity guidelines I found were really um, refreshing, you know, because, you know, the focus was really um, to get to the root cause right Mm. rather than you know just kind of band-aid solution which is kind of the fast medicine we've been talking about this is a bit of a slower process right like digging Mm. in right doing a full assessment and not just looking at what people are
1: eating but like what's going on fast medicine weight loss is not fast medicine no it's not which is why physicians don't know how to do it
0: right like It's, you know, we're, there's, there's an amazing, um, there's a a talk I went to recently. It's a really great book called Slow Medicine, Dr. Victoria Sweet. Anyway, she, she's fascinating. Um, and, uh, she's, she talks about the difference between fast medicine, slow medicine, and how fast medicines like, uh, like the. The body's like a machine and the doctor's like a mechanic and they have to fix something or replace something. And, you know, it works really well when it works. Slow medicine is like um, the body's like a garden and the physician's the gardener. And instead of fixing or replacing things, sometimes we're removing things, sometimes we're changing the environment, we're nourishing the soil, we're, and you're allowing the body to heal itself right and and i think that's the portion that that whole culture and paradigm of medicine is evolving and changing and some of those kind of traditional kind of belief systems are coming back in, right? Like root cause, you know, like that's a functional medicine term, right? Like mainstream medicine never used to talk about that stuff. We were downstream dealing with all the downstream stuff, right? The focus is shifting upstream and it's really refreshing to see. And yeah, if it ends up that you've got to use a medication in addition with a behavioral program or whatever, you do what you got to do, right? With the tools that you have available to you. But bottom line is, is getting to that root cause.
1: Love that. Speaking of tools, I'm caught in of our time. Let's talk about tests because we always, you know, we've had conversations in the past. It's great to get a baseline, like you said, to know where you're at. I mean, especially testing along the way, especially if you have diabetes, obviously testing what's going on there to, to notice the change and adjustments that you need to make along the way. I mean, today I think is a perfect conversation because all of our conversations in the group today are or talk about how to manage the program when you're sick or if you have diabetes or, you know, it just falls in, falls uh, in line with that. Um, but let's talk about tests that you can do, like test for deficiencies, test, you know, in terms of like, where am I at right now? You know, how often should you be getting tests? You know, when people go to their doctors and like, I want a blood test to know where I'm at. They're like, no, you don't need it. Or hormones, for example. I mean, we need to book a whole other conversation on this, which we will have you back and talk about. But, you know, I think my hormones are messed up and you are I'm suffering, I'm having hot flashes, I'm having this, and my doctor then says, not my doctor, but your doctor says, well, you have to miss your period for a whole year before I'm even going to do a test on you. Like, okay, so I got to feel like garbage, you know, for the next year until you'll until you'll do anything with me and take some tests. So, so what, in knowing the program and then trying to be healthy and make change, what are like at minimum the tests I should be asking my doctor for? So,
0: you know, I think first we just have to explain the context. So, you know, I think when a physician says, you know, I can't order that test or I won't order that test, it's, it's likely because they, they actually can't order the test. Like, you know, there's very strict criteria to order certain tests that the ministry is willing to pay for. And if people don't yeah. check those boxes, then we can't lie you know like you know like we in good faith have to you know at least in Canada you know we we you can only order things that we're allowed to order so sometimes it seems mm-hmm. like a no but it's really an I can't you know and it's unfortunate there's not kind of maybe more conversation about that like how else can I help you or what else can we look at or you know that kind of thing but that's often why people go outside the public system because a lot of these tests just aren't covered
1: you know yeah so I just went and did that whole Pranuvo scan because I, I mean, first of all, cancer runs in my family. I was really, uh, really struggling last year with stress and, and a whole bunch of issues and was really concerned. I was having like heart issues and thought I was going to have a heart attack. Like it was whatever. And, 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 and thankfully I have the finances to go and book a book something like that. And I'm so glad I did just because just for my own sanity to know that, okay, everything is okay. And that was a choice that I made, but I couldn't have gone to my doctor and asked, can I have a full body scan MRI to put my mind at ease because, you know, I've had a rough year and I feel like I'm falling apart over here. Right. Sometimes yeah. we, or we talk about tests here that might be beneficial, but you, there's gotta be a reason why so if you're presenting as a healthy person there's got to be a reason why you're asking for this test so they have to justify it exactly and that's what it boils down
0: to so if you have somebody who's completely asymptomatic who's you know healthy and has no issues not any medications no you know then it's hard to justify ordering anything you know like we're not yeah. just going to do like a nutrients screen. if you're feeling well why am i checking your iron you know so you know and some people are like well i just want to know well you know we we can't if you're feeling okay then, you know, because sometimes doing tests make things worse, right? So there's a lot of studies that if we over test, then we yeah. call what we, we cause what's called iatrogenic harm. So you find mm-hmm. something that looks normal, you do all these extra tests, and then you find it that it actually is normal. But there are clear guidelines in terms of when we test. Right. So at certain ages, right. Like, you know, men age 40, women age 50, you know, get your cholesterol checked. Right. Um, You know, people who are doing like a pre, you know, kind of like an obesity assessment. Right. Like the basics would be a fasting glucose or a hemoglobin A1C, which is another way of looking at your sugar. Um, lipids, which is your cholesterol, and then maybe a a single liver test if you're looking for fatty liver disease. So again, it's all based on, you know, I have a certain BMI, I qualify for this test, and then we get our baseline, we go from there, you know, or I have these symptoms, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Okay, so what you just said there, I need another one pager from you because I am 40. These are the tests I'm supposed to have. I am 50. But if I'm not, if I don't have a regular physician that I'm seeing, like it's great if my, Regular doctor is keeping track of like my. I turned 50. She's like, You need a colon test, you need this test, you need a that. Yes, but if I'm just right. seeing a walk in, yeah, yeah, if I'm just seeing a walk in or I don't have access, you know, where am I finding out that at 40 I need a cholesterol test or at, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I know it's pretty mm-hmm. standard 50, you need a whatever, but how am I knowing how I should, how do I know how I'm mm-hmm. supposed to stay on top of my own health if I don't have a doctor who's being proactive? in telling me yeah no it's true and that's
0: that is the you know the the problem you know with people not having a primary care physician keeping track but as i said there are you know people who are in walk-in settings who will provide preventive care to patients who don't have a family physician but it would be asking the question so that's part of the be prepared right so if you're going in because you think you need a i don't know a refill or whatever. And then also say, you know what, I don't have a family doctor, I just turned 40. Are there any preventive tests that I need to do? You know, so that's, that's how you advocate for yourself, right? And, you know, it's, it's scarier than having someone who calls you and says, hey, I had a pop up alert in your chart that you just turned 40 and you're due for whatever, you know, but there is a way that we can advocate for our health by, you know, using the system in whatever way we have access to it.
1: Yeah. Yes, I, I love this comment. I was skeptical this live would benefit my journey, as I do not have a doctor. Man, was I wrong! I'll be listening to this again and taking notes. Yeah, I mean, this this whole program is about informing people, educating people when we can, and just helping people be advocates for their own health and wellness, whether it's how you. Like your issues that you've attached to the doctor that makes you nervous, and how to be, you know, more prepared, how to have conversation, how to be an advocate for your own health and wellness, which I'm going to straight up say is not easy with, with healthcare in general, it's, it's not, you know, I, my ex just recently passed away. And so he many years ago had major organ failure and he's been sick for a long time. And man, I can tell you stories about, you know, his need to be, I mean, a month before he died, he went to the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. They did some tests, they kicked him out. They're like, you don't need to be here. And he literally was like, I need to be there. Went to another hospital. And then while he was in that hospital, they got the results that he had cancer and then literally died within a month. Like, this is where you need. And I'm not trying to, I'm not, this is not a slam the healthcare system. It's not because they also saved his life. He wouldn't be alive today without it. This is a. Your health and wellness is up to you and you need to be an advocate for yourself and that's what this conversation is about and the more you can build relationships with your doctor your healthcare provider or understand your own needs you know the more you're going to be able to utilize the resources that you do have at the end of the day so and my response
0: to that is, you know, in that situation, part of the problem was the siloed care, right? Like going yes. here and then going there and the disconnect, right? Because our systems don't talk to each other, which is another kind yes. of bone of contention that I have, but they don't, totally. right? Yeah. So if you don't have a primary care physician, then at least just always go to the same walk in right? Because mm. then your story is there right they can yeah. at least look back and see you know you may not always have the same person but your story is in one place and the story of who you are and what's go- what you're going through is is really really important and then you have a relationship with that clinic maybe not a relationship with a particular physician but you still can get that continuity of care and that you know therapeutic relationship with the clinic
1: you know the story of who you are, what is your health and wellness story? What do you need? You know, I think if you can take a minute and just kind of, just like we talk about going back and mapping your your weight loss history, if you can map your health history, there are more, more, I know it can seem overwhelming, but there are more resources than ever, you know, and and this is what it's all just kind of making a plan for yourself, helping you better manage, you know, your health and wellness in general. Oh my gosh. Um, we can, um, yeah. Can we pay for tests if it's not covered? I mean, this is all, we're going to have you back. And, and we're going to, we're going to get into this, um, a a lot more, you know, from sort of the tests that you can get done from a variety of different things. Like, what do you, how do you test your hormones? How do you test deficiencies? If you know, how do you know you need the supplements? Can you test for them? Oh my God, I got, we can't be here for five hours today, but this conversation was for people to get to know who you are, your philosophy around health and wellness, just to kind of hear your perspective. Um, and you know, just to, to see how awesome you are and for taking, the time for us today. So I know that first of all, everyone's gonna ask where to find you. She's like a unicorn, like an MD who also, you know, deals in lifestyle medicine. You, you're a unicorn. Um, she's not taking on clients right now. This is why we are so grateful to have her come in and share her expertise. Um, but you know, if someone did want to reach out to you, is it possible for them to do that? I mean, I know you probably not. This is the time you're spending with us, but they're gonna ask me anyway.
0: I know. I yeah. And, you know, there's pretty strict rules about giving medical advice on social media and, you know, in yes, private and that kind of thing. So I'm a bit it of it a stickler is. for rules. But, you know, you can always reach out to me, Gina, if um, you have any particular questions about anything. I'm okay. happy
1: to happy to help. OK, well, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Dr. Carrie back. And, um, so what I'm going to do is have a poster board for her. Like we did this time. And you guys can ask away to your point. I do want to say that to, to our members listening, who may not be aware, um, they do have all of our guests have restrictions in terms of like, they can't really diagnose and they can't answer specific questions, um, because there are guidelines for that, but you guys share as you, you toe the line and sharing as much as you possibly can with us. So I super appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Carrie best. I'm so excited to have you join our team of, uh, amazing experts. Thank you for your time today. Also, uh, thanks to everyone watching. I hope you found this super informative and super helpful for sure. Thank you.